Welcome to The Cavern Today. With us this week, we have Jeff Wise. Salutations. We have Mr. Janathus. Hello. And we have our resident goofball, Morris. Shut up. And in case you forgot, I'm Alhan, and yes, I'm actually back around this time. So, we're all together. We're uh, in the same room-ish. Uh, what do we have to talk about today? Well, we need to find out who is a member of the Bought the Cyan Complete Pack on Steam, Bevan. Ooh. I didn't. I yes, did. I I'm evil. I know. Sorry. I actually did. Um, even though I already bought uh, Real Mist, but I was—I just looked at it and Cosmic Osmo was staring at me with those big old puppy dog eyes, and I just... <laughs> <laughs> and it's on Steam. What more excuse yeah. do you really need? Well, the only reason yeah. I actually didn't was the only game on there that I haven't played uh, is basically Cosmic Osmo. And, you know, as awesome as it being a Cyan game is, I'm... I still consider myself a bit of a uh, mature gamer, so I know it won't hold my interest for more than five minutes, and then I'd never play it again. But uh, otherwise, I either own all the others, or I've played them back when uh, back during the old Game Tap days. So I'm having problems getting Riven working. I uh, and it runs. It's it's. I have to. One thing you have to do if you're running Riven on a computer, like say I have a 1920 by 1200 display, mm-hmm. you need to close everything. That that's that isn't the game. Uh, Steam, of course, you can't not leave open, but uh, the reason being because it's going to take your resolution down to 640 by 480, and everything that's open at the time is going to get resized. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah. They really, well, I mean, you can I don't... it to run, like, in a window, but then you have, like, a little tiny window in the center. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a... <laughs> it's impossible to play Riven that way. It's about a postage stamp-sized window, yeah, it's real nice. Uh, so... I wish they would figure out a way to get it to scale upward. I mean, even if it, it would widen the pixels and stuff, I would be cool with that, just so that it wouldn't resize things. But uh, um, aside from that problem, I, I run into random lockups. I don't know what's causing it. Um, Which is I, funny, because I got the uh, Cyan Complete Pack as well, and I haven't had any lockups at all while I've been playing Riven. So yeah, it's, I haven't had a lot of the same problems that other people have. Yeah, I, I've so looked on the I forums, and some people are having it, some people aren't. I have Windows 7 64-bit, if that makes a difference. So Same what I'm running, too, so it's a mystery. Could, now, be, uh, could be my driver. Interestingly enough, um, it says that XP is not supported. Uh, and yet, however, I can get it to run perfectly fine in XP, which surprised me. Um, unfortunately, and to my dismay, I discovered that um, the version that was downloaded to my computer for whatever reason, had the same exact issues that the one that was on Good Old Games had, i.e. there was, like, a bunch of missing animations. Like, when you press buttons and stuff, they don't press. You just hear the shunk-dunk. I haven't seen that, so so that might be relative to your driver set. Well, I don't see see what having a different driver has anything to do with play this movie file. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Like every every part, every button that I've I've thrown in Riven has worked. I mean, the little button that summoned the uh, the maglev, uh, the lever that's at the beginning for the little scope, the button. And even the end so, of- all the animations that are missing are like conveniently not necessary animations, like buttons and stuff that are not crucial. So mm-hmm. it seems like it was intentional. 
Maybe like, they just uh, scaled back for your wimpy little laptop. Something, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I don't need that switch. To, you know what a switch looks like. <laughs> Today I visited my uh, my drawer of games that I have that the, all my CD-ROM games from my computer. And I looked at that and I'm flipped through. Them. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of nice that they're all right here for me. But yeah, I'll get it on Steam. I, I don't even <laughs> feel like getting it out of the drawer and taking the disc out of the, the carrier. Yep. I just rather just get it on Steam. We have evolved. And that's why that. Steam is doing so well because people <laughs> for convenience sake are buying games they already own <laughs> well it's the convenience is like if you want to back up the steam folder if you have to reinstall windows you just restore the steam folder and it's all back which is much faster than stick the first disc in wait for it to copy <laughs> exactly you know an hour later the first game is done you know so so anyway moving on has anyone seen the Sholex temple from the mule forms I have not until you linked it to me, and it's it it, it looks impressive. I'm, I'm officially impressed, so I might be trying to uh, might be downloading it in the next few days and checking it out. I'm glad that that somebody is doing something. <laughs> I mean, even though um, I guess there is this embargo on the forums, like if you're doing user made content without the blessing of Cyan, mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. I'm like, I don't understand how they could they could ever front on that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's funny now because you, if you see the, the, the Guild of Writers has their little logo changed to Guild of with like a black box that says Message Redacted, which is, I guess, their way of protesting <laughs> having absolutely no support from Cyan, even though they said that they wanted to have that support. So it's like their way of saying, oh, OK, I guess you didn't want us to do this then. Yeah, I think it looks really interesting. And I'm really excited that people are still kind of putting out some quality work in just the fan ages. Yeah, it's it. I'm going through the images right now and it is. It looks like it would fit right into Uru. Right, and I log into Uru every now and then, probably uh, once or twice a week lately, and I still see quite a few people in the town walking around. I see new people all the time. People yeah. I've I don't recognize the names before. anymore. I wonder what's happening if 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 we're actually getting a steady influx of new people that just tire out after a certain period of time. <laughs> yeah, they're just you know checking it out, looking around, and yeah. probably get confused by. You know, how overwhelming everything is if you don't understand what's going on. And on another note, I bought on the uh, Cyan Complete Pack with the uh, Uru Complete Chronicles that's in there. Uh, I played in, played it for a little while, and it's interesting how quickly you tire of the lonely experience. Even though you may not integrate with uh, people or may not interact with a lot of people in the multiplayer the fact that it's always there somehow is comforting for me it's the having the chat having the full a key the key uh in full feature as well as having a city with people in it even if you're never there you you still get to see you know the random just snippets of chat that pop in as you run past groups of people yeah the city in complete chronicles is the most depressing thing you'll ever see in a mist game because you know what it's supposed to be and then you see what it is and it's it just isn't the same I remember when I first played the Ages Beyond Mist, and people were saying, "Oh, the key is so neutered," and like I didn't know the key any other way at that point because mm-hmm. I, I didn't get into Prologue. Uh, well, strictly speaking, they did let me in, but it it didn't load very well the first couple times, which made me go, "Yeah, I'll come back when they fix it." <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. We which know how it, Prologue which, ended. Yeah, which brings me to the point that uh, Complete Chronicles is actually kind of kludgy now. Uh, I remember that we had problems with Mule with certain Ages, you know, gradually being fixed as time went along. Um, mm-hmm. I can't stay up stable in uh, Teladan in Complete Chronicles from the Complete Pack. It seems like it, it will give me maybe as much as 20 seconds before it kicks me. Hmm. I, get, I forget that it's a stack error or whatever. The one that we always saw when 
Mule was first being uh, ran on, on Vista when they were getting ready to make it live. But in any case, uh, the Mule A, or however you want to refer to it, is uh, seems to be rock solid by comparison. So the free version is the better version. Yeah, it's very strange. The one thing I really liked about uh, Complete Chronicles, though, was the whole storyline with the uh, with the grower and all the little verses from the books of prophecy that were scattered around the place and trying to find that and collect all the clues and solve that really elaborate puzzle that more or less involved you standing in places <laughs> for long periods of time. That's the only thing I miss about the the online version versus the offline is the ability to go to the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, not knocking the online one too much, but at least with the offline, uh, Anone and Nirkana had a point. You had a story, you had a definite goal, and you were attempting to solve this puzzle of um, of the grower. While in MOUL, in, uh, I'm sorry, in, yeah, in MOUL, you didn't really have anything. After you had the... Um, after you had the journey and they gave, threw in the Garden Ages and they went with their storyline, which, you know, that's a whole other topic we could go into and have gone into. But uh, it seemed like that the emphasis was really taken away from the ages other than, oh, and by the way, here's a world. Go have fun. And I really kind of missed that. Yeah. It's actually, it's interesting how you stumbled there. The mule? Is it called Mule? It's been so yeah. long, you can't even remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm getting used to whole new slews of acronyms with uh, different video games. You know, there's Tor for the Old Republic and GW2, and, and yeah. the WoW is always the big one. So, yeah. Oh, WoW is crazy. If if you ever get into WoW, just no, nobody talks with full sentences. Everything's abbreviated. I'm like, okay, what is that again? And it throws me <laughs> off. Someone was calling uh, potions pots, and every time I saw a POTS, I was thinking Path of the Shell. Just <laughs> awesome. Moving on, still staying with the science subject, uh, have we anyone heard of the Starry Expanse project? Oh, yeah. I'm the one who added this to the list. I was really interested. This is a uh, an effort by a number of programmers and designers and artists to recreate, basically to make real Riven. They're making recreating all of Riven in a 3D environment with the intention of creating like a, their own real rhythm the early uh, uh screenshots that they've uh, put out for this are gorgeous i'm seriously impressed i i mean you hear about projects kind of like this for other games that happen all the time and mm-hmm. they never end up looking well and 90 percent of them never get done this one you know we don't know if it'll get done but at least it, by at the beginning it looks gorgeous yeah the thing the only thing i think i, I worry about is the uh the maglev rides if they can get that right mm. yeah because well, the, well, rides, of found, course, and if they actually intend to recreate the entire game, they're going to have an issue when it comes to people. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. people are, are hard computers? to render for, like, advanced uh, game designers, and these guys are just, you know... Well, also, if you remember uh, in Complete Chronicles, when... Actually, it's probably in uh, Meal A as well. When you ride that little <laughs> elevator up and down when you're in uh, Anone, you notice that the, uh, the little tune doesn't quite stay in the same place as the elevator chair. You know, his hands and his butt and his feet go through it and the clipping errors. So I'm imagining that the uh, you might have some fun when they get to the maglev. And on top of the fact, the maglev does a couple of interesting things. Like it it has an upward swoop that's so hard that it actually hops the track briefly. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> they have a challenge ahead of that them. One. That's been a while. Yeah, so. And also the they have the, um, the mine car ride. That's going to mm-hmm. be pretty interesting to see how they manage that. But I look forward well, it, to seeing the uh, 
uh, the map islands, you know, with the, the spires of rocks and all that colorful, greeny, glowy water. I can't wait to see how that turns out because if they can use like DirectX 8 or 9 functionality there, it'll look gorgeous. Oh, yes. All of the uh, characters in the game are going to be, gen- uh, they're computer generated, so they're going to be uh, characters with that are basically like the ones that we saw in Mist 5 mm-hmm. and Uru. Acting Although hopefully out a little things. better. Well, they showed some pictures of the Moiti warrior or whatever, and it looks amazing. Hopefully that, that works well. The, the ones, the things they haven't shown so far is people with the, the faces. Yeah. And that's, that's where they're really going to have a challenge. But I'm happy that they're trying. I mean, they, they may not get there, but hopefully they get at least part of it done so they can release it so we can toy with it and see how it looks. Mm-hmm. And then we, and we can bemoan that Cyan didn't do this. <laughs> so uh moving on cyan has decided to finally branch out into a new sector the cyan stone ship has been announced for the iphone i think this is a good move for them actually as a whole company and the future of technology has you know web 3.0 has pretty widely been announced to be the mobile revolution and for the first time, Cyan is actually right in the middle of the game as opposed to being three steps behind the curve like they've been for the past decade. Yeah. Um, whether or not Stone Ship's a great game, obviously, you know, it's got the missed reference, but they're aiming for it to be a little bit more tower defense strategy style game. Um, whether or not it, it's considered canon to Mist, we'll find out. But at this point, what I see them is them branching out into newer style games that they haven't really done before on a, uh, on a mobile platform for, you know, a low price. And this is the direction that gaming is going. This is the direction that they have to go. Yeah. And if you, I hope if you, I hope it actually isn't canon to miss. I really do because it's. Well, when you're talking canon and missed, we've got enough issues there to begin with. But I, yeah. I do agree with you. Yeah, because if, if they make it canon to miss, I feel like they're they're just they're p- pigeonholing themselves and just showing that they they can't get up out of that uh, particular hole. Uh, and it I think doesn't actually, seem like a. It has anything to do with Mist from what I've seen of it and what I've read of it. From I what it looks like, it's, it's just namely um, just a reference only in name. Mm-hmm. So, it might be a little bit inspired by like some of the backstory with the raiding pirate bands on Stone on Stoneship, but at the same time, you know, it, it's so even for Mist fans, it's so incredibly obscure. I think that's pretty much more just their inside joke slash throw the Mist fans a bone. Yeah. Um, but have you uh, heard about the Epic Citadel for iPhone? I have Epic Citadel on my mm-hmm. iPod Touch, and it is gorgeous. <gasps> Seriously gorgeous. Um, yeah, I was watching videos of that. That's the really amazingly high graphic level for a mobile phone game. or It's the, com- it's it the full-featured uh, Unreal Engine 3, which, uh, for those of you who don't really know, um, that's... Bioshock was built on it. Uh, Arkham Asylum was built on it. America's Army Three is built on it. Uh, yeah, Mass Effect is built on it. Yeah, it's so. kind of a, a who's who of, of modern day games on consoles and PC. Mm-hmm. And so that's my whole point in getting there is that Cyan wants to do you know 3D stuff on the iPhone. I think that they would do worse to than to partake of this particular engine so that they could actually you know take an established property, established technology, and actually get somewhere. Mm-hmm not have to fight with the technology, you know, more so just develop what they want to do. So I really think I wonder that... wonder how much it costs to license uh, the Unreal Engine. 
Well, they're adding it to the Unreal 3 thing. Um, but in any case, the uh, that's just one of those things that has me looking at the, the future of potential gaming on uh, phones and touch devices. And uh, it's going to get... It's going to turn into a Mac versus PC thing between the iPhone and Android in short order because... Uh, it almost already has. Yeah, the the iPhone has, you know, rather uh, consistent tech. The 400 megahertz processor and the iPhone 3G, mm-hmm. the 600 and iPhone 3GS, and the 1 gigahertz and iPhone 4. Um, I have an Android phone that has 1 gigahertz processor, but then the the hardware specifics are all over the place on the, on the yeah. Android, which means supporting products on Android is going to be really problematic for anyone who wants to. But in the same vein, you know, that with Macs, you have a very tight experience and a very limited selection of applications, but they're all pretty solid. That's pretty much what you talk about with the iPhone. With the mm-hmm. PC, you know, you could, you're could you all over the place. You've got things like stupid toolbars for your web browser <laughs> versus, uh, you know, completely solid Microsoft design software for Windows. And I actually think that Google needs to get into the, the market of actually making software tailored for the Android experience. Like, I think they should have an iTunes com- competitor soon, sooner rather than later. Not necessarily for, like, selling music and videos, but organizing it and syncing it to the phone seamlessly. So yeah. nothing that I know of compares, uh, which I guess, am I popping? Yes. We're talking about uh, Stoneship. So let's let's rejigger these points here. Um, iMiss and iRiven um, have been talked about coming onto uh, Android. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought as soon as I got get this phone, I thought this thing is so powerful, and I saw reviews that show that it's just so much. It's this phone I currently have is the fastest Android phone there is currently. Um, there's which, there's power in mobile devices these days that would really surprise you. But yeah. Did you remember when like Intel could, could barely get a one gigahertz processor stable on the desktop with, you know, a fan mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Now I've got a one gigahertz processor in my pocket, you know, exactly. So it, and when I, my first computer was a Pentium 33 megahertz that ran windows 95 oh. and, and it, it, I was able to play tie fighter on it. And, well, you know, that's the, I still consider that one of the best games I've ever played, but that was my first computer. And I thought that was impressive at the time. And now, you know, I've got something, <laughs> With, you know, 20 times the storage space and about 10 times the power, well, not more than 10 times, more, almost 100 times the power, just in my iPod Touch, which is you know, the, basically the iPhone 3G version. Actually, and, about 120 times. It's, it's still downright impressive where we've come yeah. from in even just 10 years. But I think that the tech that we're dealing with in, in phones, like the 1 gigahertz processor, is not um, equal to, say, a Pentium 3 at 1 gigahertz. Yeah, but it's at still, this point, it's it's weird even calling them phones because, you know, the ability to make phone calls seems so secondary to yeah. everything else that these mobile <laughs> the devices iPhone, do. The, the the way I've heard it best described is the iPhone is a pocket computer that has the side ability of being able to make phone calls. Exactly. I have a cell phone that I have like you know the free cell phone, the cheap one that you get with with getting a data plan. So I don't need the phone. So I have an iPod Touch to be my pocket computer. And that's what I use it for, and it's wonderful for that. Yeah, that's with my phone. The, that's where I'm at. Is it, it's a lot of things are on here that you know people tell me. Well, I don't. I just this phone does what I need, and that's all I all I need on a phone. I said, you know, you you don't think you need this, and then you have it, and then you're like, how did I live without this? Mm-hmm. I'm in the unique situation actually, where um, my phone is basically broken, and my iPod is basically broken. So this is the only time ever that I would actually be okay with getting an iPhone. Um, and the thing is, uh, 
I have Verizon, so I'm sort of crossing my fingers and hoping they announce their support with Verizon. Verizon. Well, I would investigate the Fascinate before assuming the iPhone is definitely your path. Because it's, uh, the Fascinate is the, uh, the Samsung Galaxy S on there. Like I said, it's the fastest Android phone. And Android is beginning to eat Apple's lunch on, on the uh, smartphone market. So. Let me clarify. I need a new iPod. Uh. <laughs> so, so that's why that's a good idea. An iPod for music playing? <laughs> yes. I have something on the, on the Android phone called iSyncer. It allows me to sync right from iTunes to my phone without any problems. And I, and I have a music player called B-Tunes, which looks just like the music player on the iPhone. So... That's pretty nice. You know, that's one of the things that's nice about the uh, the Android is that you can swap. If you don't like an application, you can swap it out. Like uh, the text message has uh, this text limit where you have to hit more to see the rest of the text messages. And my niece who text messages me sends me these massive, long books of text messaging that to her is actually three, four messages. For me, is one message with a more button. Well, the more button was bugging me because the iPhone never did that. So I switched to one called Chomp SMS and in the process gained a fully customizable application. I can change the background to a wallpaper if I want. I can change the color of the text, the size of the text, the font of the text. Um, I can download iPhone fonts if they don't have ability a couple months ago. So hey, what? iPhone only got the ability to give yourself a wallpaper a couple of months ago officially. Yeah. And this is a wallpaper in an application. You know, yeah. this is so it's a. Uh, I don't know. I actually took it and, and made the wallpaper the same on my phone as it is in my text message application um, i've swapped out the video player the music player and the text messaging player um, i could actually uh change out the email program if i really wanted to you can add keyboards to the text messaging functionality if you need a, a different keyboard laid out slightly differently so you know the the, the customizability really turns me on to this phone and the, re- the main reason i got it in the first place is just because it was bigger than the iphone so that the keyboard is easy to type on still virtual though anyway since we're talking about iMiss and iRiven potentially going to Android, let's talk about iRiven site has been launched. Is there a release date? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, not yet. But, well, when I mean, it's, it's done, nice right? It's coming. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of what we all wanted. Because, I mean, even though we all like Mist, all of us did, but Riven was really, I think, where we all fell in love with the franchise. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that there's no if, ands, or buts about it. Riven was science magnum opus. It so really is. It really was. And even today, like, it's surprising how well that game holds up. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the only thing I don't understand is how, how in God's name are they going to get that on an iPhone? I mean, I'm just, it's I still am, be the like, shocked. app ever. <laughs> yeah. I am still today shocked. Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, have you ever tried installing even on Steam? It's like, it's big. It's like two, it's like two to three gigs. Yeah. Which is, like, unheard of for a game at that time. That's because they tried to keep as much of the resources as true to the, the source material as they could, so that that way it it looked as good as it could. Um, I remember back in the day, was, uh, installing the original Riven was a hundred megabyte install, and I thought, "Wow, that's crazy!" <laughs> <laughs> and it was still just running stuff off of the CDs. And now we have games that regularly install at eight gig, nine gigs. So yeah, Modern Warfare Two is eleven gigs. Borderlands mm-hmm. takes up an entire 10 gigs of the hard yeah. drive. That's just, I, I, it makes total sense, but it still just shocks me. Well, that's, that's, that's why I had me looking at my drawer the other day. I'm like, oh, it's so cute. There's three CD-ROMs in there for that <laughs> one game. <laughs> three CD-ROMs isn't even a third of Modern Warfare 2. <laughs> oh, I, well, I, should, uh, I should consider myself 
adventure game. It's like a it's an eight CD game. Oh no, ten CDs. Sorry, it's one of those uh, FMV games that were really popular in the nineties. Oh dear, <laughs> which one? A uh, Black Dahlia. Oh okay. Yeah, it's about the torso murders or whatever of the nineteen forties or. I played one called Phantasmagoria. <laughs> Phantasmagoria. <laughs> the same makers actually. Yeah, that's uh, that's an old oldie but goodie, I guess. Um, I I couldn't get into it because you know after you've played Riven and you play something like that, it's like this is just too primitive for me. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Riven like- set the bar and it stayed there. That's that's exactly what happened to me lately. With you know, I just decided I was gonna since I own Modern Warfare Two, I might as well you know start de- uh, dilly dallying with the multiplayer and of course getting my butt kicked left and right. But then I try things like uh, Half Life Two Deathmatch or Counter Strike, and it's just it's too primitive. I can't do it. So moving on, uh, we also have another iOS release. The this one actually is out. The Manhole for iOS. I have not downloaded it yet, mostly because. I'm just not interested in the manhole, but it from what I've seen, it looks pretty. I mean, you know, Matt, you might not like the manhole it takes a lot of power to it. Yeah, I uh, I played the manhole on Steam with the Assign Complete Pack, and I was amazed at how much I enjoyed goofing around in it. I mean, uh, I didn't goof around for longer than maybe 45 minutes, but there's quite a lot of fun Easter eggs and stuff hidden in the way in that game. You find phones in each of the different animal character anthropomorphic whatever's houses and you can like crank call the other animals and it's fun to kind of visit each of their houses and call them and see what kind of weird things they have to say and so it came be, became for me you know a hunt for the next phone <laughs> i'm looking at the the manhole site right now click here for more info i mean it it's definitely been remastered. It's got some kind of crude 3D elements in it that definitely look like they were. Oh, a couple of them were ripped out of a uh, mist. But all in all, I mean, for an iPhone port, you know, iPhones mostly. Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't say that it's ripped out of mist. I think it ended up in mist. <laughs> well, yeah, most likely. I gotta get my timetables right. But you know, for what it is, it's actually pretty cool. Um, I've got to, uh, you know, got to, got to give it to them. There's actually not that many uh, games and such on the iDevices for what I would consider to be younger kids. Not that t- too many younger kids would own an iDevice at this point, but still, to have the selection is kind of nice. If they're spoiled, and, they do. Well, yeah, <laughs> but uh, it, it's still something really neat. That I, it's a niche that actually hasn't been filled on the iPhone really, and for once, Cyan is ahead of the curve in something. Whether it'll do a lot for them, probably yeah. not. If, but if they really, uh, they really flesh out their abilities on on the iPhone and portable devices, I think there might be a market for it. Because uh, the big push, even my company who does support for desktop computers and laptop computers, is aware that there's a big mo- movement towards uh, phones and portable devices for computing as a primary platform. So we have things like uh, we have the one on no how knowledgeable we are with, with portable devices like Android and iPhone. And we have tests for Mac computers, even though we're PC only at the moment. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not impossible that we could move to a point where, you know, I, I think I was, I'm pretty sure I was talking to you at all when I made this joke. I said, before you know it, you know, next 10 years, our, our computers will be something we're on a wrist and it's a holographic interface. You know, desktop PCs will laugh at those things. It already is. Look at the new iPod Nano. Put, put, I've seen, I've seen people have already put wristbands on it, and it is the it is the computer 
uh, it is the computer watch. Now, you know, in a future software update, put something like Skype on it. There you go. Yeah. Not, it's not going to take 10 years. It's going to take two, three. The simplicity yeah. of the uh, applications, you know, on, on the iPhone really speak to some people. You know, all you do is just tap on it. There's your program. Mm-hmm. It's I was uh, talking to somebody about uh, video game controllers, and mm-hmm. they were talking about uh, this technology to wirelessly charge things now by sending kind of like a electric current through some kind of like microwave mm-hmm. relay or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And wow. That maybe that's like it, you know it's starting to get to that point where we can have our wireless devices constantly being charged from these. Yeah, people know. are like, "What if I get my head between my wireless device and the charger? What happens then?" <laughs> <laughs> you fry your brain. Oh no! Yeah, that what they said about you know those Walkmans and stuff are going to fry our <laughs> brains in the first place. Well, some people do blow their ears out with that. earphones sometimes. You know, it's some people just don't know you know when is enough. It's mm-hmm. a really big problem like uh, amongst the young students these days. It's something they've talked to me about as a teacher during uh, my teaching classes. The, like to warn students that they're listening to music too loud if you can hear clearly what they are listening to and mm. they are wearing headphones. Yeah, even I get into that, fall into that trap once in a while. Part of it, I have an excuse because I uh, played trumpet for eight years in a band where I sat right in front of the bass drum or the timpani every year. So I, I've got an excuse there, but I can already tell my hearing's going a little bit. Oh, no. Well, just a little bit, not a lot. <laughs> Alhan's yeah. getting up there. What's that, Sonny? Mm-hmm. You and your new friend. What's that? Get off my lawn. <laughs> hey, you live in an apartment. It's not your lawn. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the, the over-the-fence, off-topic stuff. Um, Yay, the fun stuff. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> we have a little bit of a furor with uh, Medal of Honor, and uh, the the new multiplayer will allow people to play as Al Qaeda. Is anyone really shocked or disturbed by this development? Is it a big issue? Do you think? I think, I think it's um, it makes sense. It's an evolution of as we were talking about before we started going on the air. Um, we, you know, playing as Nazis in World War II games, playing as the Viet Cong in Vietnam in Vietnam games, it's just kind of the uh, extension of that. Should it be allowed? Maybe. Is it tasteful? I'd like to say no, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm not the target audience for a, a realistic Medal of Honor game. So, you know, I guess I really don't have don't have a problem with it, but I'm not going to be going out and buying it anytime soon anyway, so... Well, the, this was even before the Taliban stuff was, you know, mentioned. So well, some people that. say things like, you know, when when there's people play cops, somebody's got to be the robber, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So in a way, exactly. in a way, I kind of agree with that. But well, you know. when when you play in, um, I don't know how Modern Warfare Two is, or excuse me, Medal of Honor is doing it, but Modern Warfare Two, I mean, the teams are just a way of identifying that they're on the other team. It's really all it is. I mean, they could just paint you in red and blue. Hey, you know, so I play a game kind of like that. It's called Team Fortress. Yeah, so it's <laughs> so there really or isn't Halo a, or any other. Yeah, so there really isn't. It, it's just a, a way to identify, and the the keeping the terrorist designation is more so to just, I guess, make it more, a little more authentic. But yeah, I yeah. think the really important point here, the, the thing that people are not grasping, is that it is a game. You know, um, a couple of things like who who here reads Crack.com? I do. Quite a bit, actually. 
they have a great article on there about, you know, guns, six myths about guns that, you know, we believe because of the movies. Things like, you know, a silencer turns a gun into a whispered cough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, that uh, assault rifles are like, you know, grinding machines of death, you know. And they, they take this thing where they, they, they said, here's a small child firing an M4. And he fires and it's like one, two, three, four, and it's empty. He's like, no, he didn't stop shooting because he was tired. He's out of bullets. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's all the bullets that that gun contains. That's 30 bullets. I guess it fires 400 bullets in the span of like something, something seconds. But, you know, these are things where like the reality of what violence and guns in these scenarios are, are is very different from what these games portray and very different from what movies portray. And so to me, I, it's a matter of keeping perspective. You know, it's a game, you know, regardless of how authentic the the content may or may not be you know it's still no matter what it's not really real you know mm-hmm. like i don't think anyone is running around the battlefield with twin pistols running really really fast and somehow avoiding being shot <laughs> i just don't think so there used to be a house of the dead arcade machine in my uh college uh kind of relaxing uh what do they call that quad room or whatever mm-hmm. Uh, and it was only 25 cents, so I would frequently, you know, put in 50 cents and play with both uh, guns. The game <laughs> became so much it. harder playing with two guns. It's so much harder to concentrate on things, and you just die a lot faster. Mm-hmm. I imagine, you know, playing, you know, in a realistic combat, running with, you know, guns akimbo like that is just asking to die very well, quickly. It's like, as, as I said, you know, nope. Nobody carries two pistols unless they won't, don't want to hit anything. I mean, yeah. that, that's only something that happens in action movies. Uh, you only have the ability to focus on one point, which means you'd have to, you know, aim down one sight. I mean, you could hold a gun in two different on each hand in two different directions, but you wouldn't be able to aim them appropriately. You know, mm-hmm. so as I, as an example, and I, I also read Destructoid pretty devoutly. Um, the guy in there, Jim Sterling, has started doing rants, which I'm kind of. I, I can take or leave. I mean, sometimes his ranting is just like, you know, a whiny little so-and-so. At other times, it's actually really poignant. Um, and the point that he made, he showed a video. It was disturbing. He prefaced that it was disturbing. It showed a uh, senator um, shooting himself on camera, shooting himself in the mouth with a revolver. And it was, uh, it was kind of disturbing because, you know, when you see carnage in real life and you see it in the movies, the movies, it's always kind of like this spray of chunks and blood and this thing it was literally just the whole formed and blood started pouring out and the gun because he put it stuck in his mouth made almost no noise at all and uh he said that's the difference like real life violence is not visceral and exciting and enjoyable real life violence is real life violence real violence in video games and movies is designed to be enjoyable for the audience so there's still regardless of how you you think of these things there's still a perspective that maintains the diff the separation between these things mm-hmm. I mean, it, just like people who do paintball, you know, that's almost a, that's a simulation of guns. You know, that's we should ban that. You know, before long, we're going to have virtual reality and holodecks and people carrying what looks like real guns. They really can't hurt you. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be a fury over that one, too. Well, until something goes wrong and then Professor Moriarty comes to life and, uh, and starts taking over. I hated over. that episode so much. <laughs> I love that episode. So bad. And, and, and the machines start, you know making us slaves as i always say in those cases you know they make us slaves slaves we'll have job security so yep (laughs) hi for one welcome our new robot overlords (laughs) (laughs) moving on a little bit uh the game that won't die while we're speaking of zombies 
yeah, Duke Nukem Forever is back again for the <laughs> what 27th time now. Um, thoughts? Except it's not possible. Ge- Gear- <laughs> Gearbox says it's done. It's ready to roll. Yeah, it was playable at PAX this year. I really want to oh. play this game because it feels like I, you know, it feels like the end of a legacy. This game was announced when I was like in sixth grade. <laughs> it, <laughs> the, it's the weird scary, thinking about that. The scary thing that. is apparently Gearbox has been working on it like the whole time. They just were kept it completely secret. Like, good job, guys. Seriously. <laughs> How and did Michael Pactor is. Well, Gearbox has also been the broadest Borderlands, so they're... I know, I mean, it's in perfect hands, therefore. Yeah, so... (laughs) Michael Pastor equated the completion of this game to, like, a, you know, someone unable to open a jar of pickles, and it just keeps getting passed around from person to person until it finally gets a Gearbox, and they're like, oh, here, click, and they just twist it (laughs) off real quick and hand it back, and it's like, here, we we open it for you. Was pretty- of, the game has been officially in development since 1997. For comparison, I would have been I would have been nine years old at the time when they announced this game. Yeah, but you're only 17 now, so that doesn't work out. Huh? I'm 22. Shut up. <laughs> it's like it's like funny- Uru, except Uru actually got off the ground. It's like Team Fortress. Only Team Fortress actually came out. So oh well, I wasn't around for that, or I was, <laughs> but I wasn't a gamer yet. Yeah. But yeah, the ironic I mean, thing is that there's going to be like a Duke Nukem Forever 2 a year after the game comes out or something. <laughs> oh my god. It'll just be funny. Duke Nukem DLC. No. <laughs> well, it's Gearbox, so... Hey, but at least they're doing... At this point, it's really sad to say, but Duke Nukem Forever is actually going to come out before Half-Life 2 Episode 3. Oh my god. Oh my god. god. <laughs> Think about that. Oh my god, that is so sad, because you're right. Oh, wow. And also, if uh, if this game takes off, you know the majority of people who are playing it have no idea what the predecessor games were. Not at all. I don't. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it can never possibly live up to the hype. Or yeah, anything. I mean, know. they had a couple of uh, clones out there. You know, Serious Sam. I don't. I, I used to love that website. Whenever you bring up Sam, I am. You know, that was yeah. awesome. Uh, but I, I, I just think it's neat that finally the legacy is coming to an end. You know, I, it happened in my lifetime. <laughs> There's people with pre-orders from GameStop raising a fuss now. I knew I should have kept this receipt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those people get if reimbursed look, at some point, or <laughs> if you look at the um. If you look kind of at the history of the game as put put up on uh, Wikipedia, it's really kind of interesting to see how it evolved, starting on the Quake 2 engine in 97, mm-hmm. jumping to Unreal by 98. Uh, there were rumors that it act- around 2003 it jumped to the Doom 3 engine, and obviously now it's going to be uh, in- based on the Borderlands engine, I believe, um, at least Unreal. semi-inspired by it, Un- Unreal 3. Unreal 3, right, yeah. 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 Except, oh, I thought it was on the Doom engine. Big. Yeah. No, it's uh, still on really? it's no, on no, no. three now. I thought so, they, I mean, they had been it's on at least three. three to four different engines, not counting if they uh if one of the in between developers decided to try and use Unreal Two or Quake Three in there. So this thing's been uh yeah, this thing's been bounced around for a while. Yeah. It's funny when, when development like that happens how things slow down. I mean Vista went through a similar problem. Uh Splinter Cell went through a single similar problem, you know, these long development cycles and you know i have people who i talk to who complain about uh you know the the way you know 
things have changed between XP and today's versions of Windows. And it's like XP was not meant to be in your possession for quite that long. You know, no, Microsoft, if they had their druthers, would not have had you have a 10-year-old operating system. So, you know, I'm sure that Duke Nukem was not intended <laughs> to have gone through this many changes. <laughs> and only now right. is, you know, XP finally starting to get driven out because people realize Seven's actually competent. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it will... Duke Nukem Forever, to me, is more like experiencing the legacy. It's like playing a documentary of the history of video games, all wrapped up in one single game. I hope that it's, it actually stands up. I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, I don't have enough of a sense of the old games. Because um, it, it actually did predate my gaming lifestyle beginning. I started my PC gaming with Riven. So... But since then, I've become a little more hardcore. But in any case, <laughs> uh, we haven't used any of the quotes. Any oh, of the we should throw a couple of those out here. <laughs> uh, yeah, Duke Nukem, it's as necessary as the cavern today. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, messing around with uh, this sloganmaker.com and just trying to run the cavern today through it to throw out a bunch of these crazy slogans. And there's some of them are just kind of fun and funny. It's not a trick. It's the cavern today. Pure power. Pure the cavern today. <laughs> There's a bit of the cavern today in all of us. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This is what this is what we do in our downtime, folks. <laughs> yep. This is it's one of those things like it's it's nerdy enough to be us, but whatever. <laughs> yes, indeedy. Speaking of nerdiness and things that nerds like to do, um, Video Games Live CD DVD Blu-ray coming October 19th. Yay! Oh, very excited. Yeah, it's the second Video Games Live can, CD. Can we get the, the yay one? again, but this time in four parts? <laughs> yeah. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> we queen? That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> that was just... just uh, I see a little neural. <laughs> no, forget it. <laughs> oh my god! Apologize now. <laughs> I didn't say I could sing. Anyway, uh, I look forward to the Blu-ray. I want to see the the mist medley properly shot. Well, I'm really excited. It's going to have documentaries on uh, certain games. It's going to have interviews with a number of uh, composers. It's going to have a fair selection of. Uh, bunch of the pieces from what i understand most of these were from the south american concert that they recorded mm-hmm. i thought it was rio, rio de janeiro was where they did it ah okay i i could be wrong i haven't done my research on that but i'm excited i i listened to the first video games live cd collection that they released uh, all the time they nice have a have... mass effect suite Looking at the list. I know. Mass Effect Suite. I'll have to check that out. That. Miss Suite, Zelda Suite, Martin Lung, Mario Solo Piano Medley, World of Warcraft, Lament of the Highborn. Oh, lots of good stuff in here. Some of the stuff I'm, I'm not as versed on. Like uh, I I like Baba Yetu from Civilization, but I've never played the game. Uh, oh, that's a totally worth piece. it. Uh, that's Star, a, Starcraft 2, I've never gotten a real-time strategy outside of like... Uh, Bian- not Bianca Neal. Okay, the uh, the Wings of Liberty suite, which is what they play at the concert, mm-hmm. is just epic. It's like six minutes long, and it pretty much is a medley of all the major themes in the game, but it's beautiful. The uh, StarCraft II soundtrack is fantastic. <laughs> Fully orchestrated. Epic. I've never been a big StarCraft fan, but I might have to check that out. 
well, DVD and Blu-ray. On YouTube or something, so you can get a piece of it. Okay. Yeah, that's what I did. I took the the Miss Medley from the actual soundtrack that was released, and I downloaded a video of it playing on YouTube before, you know, the copyright ninjas come out and kill the, the guy who had it posted. And, uh, <laughs> copyright police. <laughs> so, um, and I, I merged them together using, I think it was Windows Movie Maker. I might have done it on my Mac. It's hard to remember. But now I have my semi audio visual experience. Mm-hmm. But I, of course, would prefer, you know, Blu ray. <laughs> the funny thing is, Tommy Tallarico was like encouraging people to post YouTube <clears throat> videos from the concerts until all the lawyers came down and oh, told God. them that that was a no, bad no, idea. Really? But he was thinking, oh. oh, it's, you know, it's free publicity for this concert. You know, and it's, it, 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 I don't know. It's kind of like how in the Star Wars, uh, in the Star Wars fandom, we. There, between the fans and Lucasfilm, there is an unwritten contract saying that as long as you don't do anything stupid like use our characters in pornographic ways or something like that, we're going to let you use any of our music or sound effects for fan films and fan audio dramas because it spreads the fandom. And until, as long as you're not trying to actively make money off of it, we're going to let you do it. And it's kind of the unwritten rule when it comes to Star Wars and its fans. And a few other companies have this. A few companies infamously don't have this and will prosecute fan products. But which, in this which case, uh, def- cuts their fans out pretty quickly. Yeah, it usually does. Or the project get, just gets released in uh, more sly ways. But at least with, uh, with Video Games Live, Tommy Tallarico has always been kind of a people person. Uh, he was, you know, even after a concert, uh, when I attended... Uh, the first time they came around down here in Milwaukee, uh, he had, you know took time out of his way to take pictures with all three of us and directly complimented my little brother's hat, which because he's a music uh, a music major, it's a uh, had a treble clef on it. He, he's always been a people person, and he's here for the fans, so it's not too surprising to see that he wanted to spread you know get the word out about his concert as much as he could. Yeah, it was kind of funny when I when I saw video games live here in Detroit. You know, the theater is half empty. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Milwaukee! Yeah. It was packed full. So yeah, they had uh, they had that little video game thing where the, they invited two kids up on stage to play the video games on screen, mm-hmm. and then they they gave away like a three thousand dollar laptop to one of them, a gaming laptop. Ooh. Oh my gosh! <laughs> they do that at every concert. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of annoyed me. It's like they don't they want an Xbox, they don't want a laptop <laughs> to get me up yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I've always liked about Video Games Live compared to all the other video games concerts that have been touring the country. But Video Games Live feels more like an event. They bring out all the composers to sign autographs. They have, you know, the costume contest. And they have, you know, a lot of th- fun things to do. Well, it's kind of annoying that the other competitors are done because the way they're doing it is to directly compete with video games live. And the reason that they're not giving video games live the license to play their music is because they want to compete. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, instead of partaking, they decide to compete. It's kind of like the, the problem with, uh, you know, when we had the Blu-ray and HD DVD, you know? Mm. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to play ball. They want to have their own license to, to print money. Whenever you set something like this up, it's always going to come down to a one will stand, one will fall situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this case, you know, in that case, it was Blu-ray, even though I was firmly in the HD DVD camp at the time. Um, and yeah, video games HD DVD being backward compatible with DVD, I was all over it. Yeah, <laughs> not to mention it was an open, uh, fairly open format. But uh, also, 
you know, it's pretty obvious that VGL it has become that when it comes to the live touring concerts. Like the uh, Square Enix has tried a couple with Final Fantasy and they never got off the West Coast. There's a couple other small groups that have tried and they've never really gone anywhere. But VGL has gone international. Um, most of it's due to Tommy Tallarico working his butt off. And yeah, I, even before he started doing VGL, you see other characters, um, or uh, not characters, but you see what Tommy Tallarico did with his work on his TV show, Electric Play. Uh, I think it was called Electric Playground. Yeah, yeah he, really well, he's stuff. been on like several different TV shows. And he, I mean, there was just always an energy to him. And whatever he was going to do, he was going to throw himself into full-fledged. And he definitely did that with VGL. He's extremely passionate. And um, he, on, in countless interviews, he's told his story about how he got to where he was. And it's an amazing story of just being in the right place at the right time. Because he moved from like, the Midwest to the to California just to look for a job, and he spent his first two nights there sleeping under a pier at the beach, until mm-hmm. he got hired by uh, I forget who, who hired him, but he got hired by a company. Just <laughs> it, it's it's just kind of a crazy story of just being in the right place at the right time until he was able to finally get a chance to write music for games, which is what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He's very, very generous about all his money and all the production. He He's just passionate about video games. And I think that's what I like about video games live. It's it's about a celebration of video games more so than it was anything else. And it was cool that Jack Wall got involved. And so you had this heavy presence of mist, which would never show up in any other video game concert otherwise yeah. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> i was amazed jack wall they, actually managed to get all that together you know for the miss medley and what have you mm-hmm. well yeah and even a little nod to uru that plays in the mist piece you know where they, they do they the sing, gallery they sing, theme they sing the main they sing the high point of the gallery theme and that is the best moment of the series mm-hmm. and musically to me that is the best moment of the, of the entire mist series mm-hmm. so it I, I just love it i mean this is a this is a show put on by fans for fans, all in a great celebration of the fandom of gaming. That's kind of like what you would like, you know. I work in a company of people who do technical support, and of course we have the people who are who is just a job. And we have the people who actually do, you know, have the love. And uh, it's it's always better to work with the people who actually you know like doing this kind of thing because they seem to you know do it a lot better than those who are just doing it for a job. That's that's kind of the way I feel about play. It just feels like it doesn't have a lot of heart in it. I could be wrong. I haven't experienced the show personally, but what I've stopped it's, seeing from it, it just seems so. It's like they're trying to turn what would be otherwise an orchestral uh, show where you would just go to the, the theater of video game music. It's what they're trying to do. So I played in I played in a number of bands and a couple of orchestras also, and I can tell you as a fact that's exactly how it works. If if the if the band or the orchestra is into it, if we as a group can't, we love what we're doing. We play so well. It's really a case of if the band is having fun, the audience is going to have fun no matter what we're playing, because you can't hear it in the notes. You know, right notes are right notes and wrong notes are wrong notes. But passion can be heard even if you can't tell you're hearing it. It really can be. And when I went to see VGL, you could hear it. And me playing with different groups when we play songs from, you know, movie soundtracks or something, that's stuff that I love and I get really passionate about it. And that's when I also tend to sound the best when I'm playing. It's it it works exactly like that. Yeah. I had box seats and no Miss Medley. I'm still sad. 
I went to the very first video games live concert at the Hollywood Bowl before wow. they even announced it was going to go on tour. Man, that place was packed, and Tommy Tallarico was at the top of his game because, you know, at the point in time, you know, they weren't sure that this was going to be more than one concert. Mm-hmm. So it, it, they just pulled out all the stops. It was amazing. I'd like to know if they're still doing the Tron uh, medley or whatever. I've gone to the concert three times, and they've done the Tron medley at two of them. Yeah. Now, the question becomes... If with Tron Legacy coming out, will we have video games live with special guests, Daft Punk? Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay. Well, when uh, I went to My the Daft second uh, video games live concert, they had uh, BT, who's kind of a avant-garde electronica composer, mm-hmm. uh, and he performed with the orchestra kind of as a primer before the concert actually started, and it was pretty amazing because his new album was just coming out at the time. But yeah, it's, I don't yeah, see Tron it, mentioned in there anywhere. That's sad. <laughs> Maybe it's because of the upcoming legacy that they can't get the licensing for. Uh, yeah, I think it ends up being li- licensing and rights. He, Tommy, in interviews, talked about how hard it was just to even be able to perform any of the Final Fantasy music because Square was you know, they, pushing for their own concert at the time. They still couldn't... Uh, two years ago when I went to it, uh, they still couldn't show any of the actual video footage from it. So, so they were able to play One Winged Angel, but you know they weren't able to show anything from the Final Fantasy games, anything from Advent Children or from Spirits Within. So they had, it was they had a similar problem with uh, Medal of Honor too. Mm. Yeah. So they, I, I remember seeing a video that they just I, had random people cosplaying on stage. I was like, this is awkward, even though the music is good. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, they also had um, video from the war instead of actually from the game, which mm-hmm. I, I think, to, as I mentioned before, there's a difference between the games and the reality it kind of to me almost sets a, the wrong tone yeah but, well that's what they, they could do that so. from medal of honor frontline that you know that really haunting um the normandy yeah. yeah yeah and you know pl- seeing those images you know from the war and everything along with that music it, it really really is effective but yeah it's not mm. it doesn't really capture what the medal of honor game is about <laughs> yeah yeah Medal of Honor, I would say, like the, the first, I only played Allied Assault. Um, after that, I was kind of over World War II. Uh, but the the game felt to me sort of like take Indiana Jones and put him as a soldier in, in the war. And that's kind of what Medal of Honor Allied Assault is like. Yeah, you, you're the Rambo soldier. Yeah. You know, the, and of course, the guns back then that, you know, you can't reload midship. You know, you've got to empty that clip for it to spit out all that good stuff. Yep. So anyway, uh, looks like we've reached the end of our bullet points. Yeah, but yeah, it's been fun. You know, we got a lot talked about. And yeah. For once, we're actually not going too far uh, insanely over time. This is true. Right. We, we need to fix that. Okay, Morris. The Cavern Today. We're, we're going to start picking on you, so just brace yourself. <laughs> Bracing. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, for The Cavern Today, this has been Alhan and Mr. Wise. Let your The Cavern Today flow. <laughs> the cavern today created by nature and morris the cavern today it's super awesome and this has been alhan signing off <laughs> have a good night everyone <laughs>